Hello and welcome back to the Bike Rumor Podcast. This weekend was set to host the Downhill World Cup at Fort William, Scotland. In the absence of racing, we caught up with an athlete who's raced that track no fewer than 13 times over the last 8 years. A rider set to inspire a generation of aspiring downhill racers, the 2013 Junior World Champion, Tawny Seagrave. We caught up with Tawny on June 4th, at a time when she's recovering from injury at her home in North Wales, contemplating that ever-elusive 2020 race season. We talk about how she's keeping herself busy with rehab during lockdown, her memories of racing Fort William, and her new relationship with Canyon Bicycles. Please welcome our own Jessie Mae Morgan as she interviews Tawny directly from Scotland. Hi Tawny, thanks very much for joining us on the Bike Rumour podcast. How are things going? Oh yeah, um, not too bad actually. Obviously things are moving a bit more now. Uh, we're able to do a little bit more. Just managed to see my physios. That's something that obviously I've been craving for the past few months. So yeah, kind of looking like there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Because of course you are dealing with an injury at the moment. So how how have things been for you in that regard? I guess even if racing were going ahead... Um, I assume you'd still be in rehab, not quite ready to hit the racetrack yet. So um, how has the current like global situation like affected the way you've processed this injury? Yeah, it's, it's obviously, to begin with, I was devastated. Well, I still am devastated. But because of last season and missing, obviously, 90% of that season to then go on and have an injury that would have put me out for longer than my last injury was um, a very tough pill to swallow but obviously with the circumstances there were no races and that's probably the only thing out of this that has given me slight comfort which is horrible for all the other races but obviously for myself and anyone that's injured we'd be lying if we said that we we were you know completely devastated that the world cups weren't happening but um I really hope that they're going to happen in September because I'll definitely be back in time for that. But I am gutted for everyone that um, yeah didn't manage to race race this year because I know that if I was healthy, I, I would be absolutely gutted. But I wouldn't yeah. have made it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I don't even know when I would have made it back in time. Probably we were aiming for Andorra, but looking at things now, I probably wouldn't have made it back for Andorra. Yeah. And so has this injury, like, has the, the the current situation helped you like cope better in a way has it given you a bit of a focus rather than just twiddling your thumbs and waiting for the, re- the race season to to kick yeah, off yeah I think I think the whole the injury in a way was kind of a good thing whilst um the pandemic has been going on because I did have that focus but at the same time you know it's been a double-edged sword because on on one side it has been great and on the other side I haven't been able to see any of my physios um face to face I haven't been able to get any soft tissue work or go in the hydro pool like loads of little things that um that I have you know support with that I couldn't do that would usually make me go miles ahead with my with my injury and I would be up in Manchester like half well for, I don't know three or four days and then come back home and then go back up there see the physios again so it would have been very intense especially after my shoulder so I'm not sure if like the whole thing has kind of mellowed it all out and it's taken a bit longer but I think mentally and physically it's probably done me a lot of good because if not it would have just been 110 percent 
like the whole time until I was back on my bike. Yeah, I guess being a Red Bull athlete, you're normally pretty well looked after when it comes to dealing with injuries, eh? Yeah, very well looked after. They they cover our rehab and our, our operations and stuff, you know, so there's that, you, you, you have no worry. All you have to worry about is getting back on your bike and I couldn't be more grateful for that. Yeah, that's amazing. How did you actually do the injury? It wasn't racing, was it? It was in. Uh, it was just in training. Is that right? Um, yeah. Well, not even training. I, I, I was. I'd finished my training for the week, and it was the weekend, so we decided to go and hit some dirt jumps that we had found um, a few months before. Really fun place. And over the past couple of years, I've really progressed in dirt jumps, and I enjoy them so much. So it's a good way of me taking my mind off of bikes but still being on bikes like it's just very it's super fun I, I love it and I only discovered it a couple of years ago so and the fact that every you can see everyone everyone's there everyone's doing stuff together um and at the end of the session um yeah I well first of all I decided to wear ankle braces for the first time ever because okay. Um, just to try them out because all my mates wear them and they but they all do tricks and stuff and I'm not very big on tricks and midway through the session I was like oh I just feel very restricted and I don't feel like myself when I'm riding so I took them off and I think because I had done half the session in them my foot maybe got used to having it and yeah. it must must have been like a couple of hours later right towards the end of the session did a t-bog on the on the last jump I got a clip wanted to do another one and held it a bit too long and just went straight um well held it too long and my front wheel obviously hit the ground when it was turned and I it, it's a small jump but I just put my foot out and it was just the way I landed I guess and with the momentum and the awkwardness and yeah <laughs> just uh, I knew straight away though I, I knew that I, my foot was out I didn't like I knew I thought I'd I hadn't broke anything I just thought it was dislocated but then found out that I broke my leg so yeah yeah it was all a bit intense it was it wasn't very painful at the time which was mad so adrenaline I suppose well at that point you rip everything so there's no nerve to kind of get to there's no signals so it was just very yeah I felt very just sick but not not in pain so the whole experience itself wasn't that bad (laughs) I saw that you've added a new bike to the uh, repertoire there um is it the yeah, stitch stitch 720 yeah 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 it's yeah. uh it's unreal I be, you know I had one last year not a stitch 720 but a similar bike but I never wow. really got to ride it that much and I loved it so when I went to Canyon I was like, I really want one of these 720s I know they're a slope bike but I feel so much more comfortable on them because I, I'm so like I said I only did started dirt jumps a couple of years ago and although I progressed quite well, there's just still on a hardtail, it's tiny and nippy and it's still not very familiar for me. I still have to get used to it when I get on it. It still takes me hours when I'm at the dirt jumps to kind of feel comfortable. So, yeah, a jump bike that's got, you know, a bit of cushioning <laughs> was yeah. uh, definitely for me. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it looks really nice. Yeah, I love um, it. Uh, at the moment let's uh, talk about your training program are you able to work a decent training program around the rehab um yeah well it's it's probably been one of the most difficult things to juggle because from the start I've still been training I haven't really taken much time off of training it's because 
it's just so it's not very hard to kind of build that back up but it is with an injury like this so I just wanted to keep a good kind of um, baseline so that when I did come back and I was able to train again it wouldn't be absolutely horrific and so yeah we've just tried to kind of balance both but it's hard to not overdo the training and then not do enough rehab and it's and vice versa so um, a couple of weeks ago I kind of hit a brick wall just mentally because and physically because I just did way too much and I think it was stressing me out that I never knew if I was doing enough so I took um, yeah, I took a little week off and, and just went back at it again. <laughs> That's good I guess it can be easy to start second guessing what you're doing thinking yeah. am I doing enough am I doing the right thing yeah. Constantly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's change gear a bit and uh, let's talk about Fort William. So this coming weekend was meant to be the round four of the Downhill World Cup. So in light of that, we thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about your experiences there. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody always talks about how the crowd is immense at Fort William um, and that the atmosphere is just amazing. But in what other ways does it compare to the other venues on the circuit? And what else makes it special for you as a rider? I guess the fact that it's, you know, in, in the UK and it's, it is homely. It has that sense for us UK riders. Um, it's been on the circuit for so long. So, you know, there's a lot of history there. So as a, when I was coming up through the ranks and as a younger rider, um, that was exciting. And there's a lot to learn. That's the thing with Fort William is you kind of, you learn that every year. You just never stop learning um it has a lot to offer it's hard it's always super challenging it's one of the toughest tracks on the circuit and you know the the lift and it being so quick up and down and easy you know that's something that I know it doesn't seem like much but when you know you've got a small amount of a small window for training that's something that for us riders we appreciate a lot and when that's functioning well that's obviously makes our training a lot easier so yeah, I think everything about Fort Williams just, it gives me that weird feeling of excitement and fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think every, everyone would probably say the same. <laughs> and how many practice runs do you get at Fort William before your race run? Um, well, that's also something that we have to be quite, um, you know, smart about because it's so tiring. Uh, probably on the first day you'd probably only do three or four runs because it's just so long and you can't do four runs um it's just it depends on the rider I guess but I know people that would do so many runs and I just I know the track and it just it feels it's so so long and it just takes so much energy out of you you don't want to get to race day and not have any energy left like it's great knowing the track and knowing where you're going to go but if you've got no energy to go fast then there's no, no point so that's something you have to be really smart with but yeah probably on the first day I do like four four runs not maybe maybe five if I, I'm feeling it but yeah, not many at all and then obviously yeah. the next day I'll probably do two before qualies and then just go up for my quali run. So how do your local training facilities prepare you for racing Fort William? Is there anything you change in your training program in the run-up to racing there um not particularly I don't think not in no different to normal um you know travel takes just as long because we drive there so it's about a 10 hour drive from ours and 
you know when we're flying to places it takes just the same amount of time so um not not really when we get if we get there a couple of days early we'll try and fit a gym session in but mostly just to keep us limber and moving and like active and not to kind of kill ourselves or make make us feel strong before the race it's simply for you know just to benefit from a bit of movement but leading yeah. up to it would be the same as every other race I just I leave that to Chris Kilmurray my trainer <laughs> I just do um, what he says <laughs> yeah yeah definitely the best thing to do do you ever go up I don't know a couple of weeks before uh just to go up and get some time in on the track before the race no we've been to the national and we usually stay like a day or so before or after because I feel like the national itself racing again it's all very it's squeezed into a weekend so you can't you know it's nice to have a race vibe but you want to stay maybe an extra day and you're usually working on suspension and stuff so that's usually why you're there but I wouldn't go outside of that or I don't know before the race just because it's so we go there so often and like I said the national as well it becomes quite not boring but um just a bit same old same old and you want to keep your mind fresh and stuff so yeah yeah but I know lo- loads of people that go and aren't bothered by that at all. But yeah, personally, I just need to keep it fresh. And <laughs> funny enough, this year I wasn't gonna—I was gonna change my <laughs> my route going up there. I was gonna fly to like somewhere else and then drive down or go to Inverness for a bit and ride with yeah. just so that it changed my whole—I don't know—the whole lead up to it, so that it was refreshing and different. And I know it sounds crazy, but because of my injury there last year, I just wanted it all to kind of be a fresh slate. Yeah, that's fair enough. Just to change up the the ten hour slog up the road. Yeah, <laughs> get there. Yeah, yeah. Fort William's been uh, pretty much a permanent fixture on the World Cup circuit. How much does the track change each year? Does it change at all? Are they adding new sections? Is it still relevant? Is it still is it still a good venue? It's not, it's definitely still a good venue, but um, the track itself. I know they try and make small changes and they do make small changes like the wood section and stuff. But the problem is, is the wood section is the good bit or was the good bit before it got changed. And it's still, it's still all right now, but um, you know, it's all the top stuff that's been there for such a long time. But obviously in Fort William, you need that gravel. So it would cost them so much to bring in more gravel for a new section because it's, if not, it's just all that boggy stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've ever walked down the side of the track in Fort William, but oh my God, I do not recommend. And it's just... Um, it's not rideable. No, it's, yeah. um, it's just, it's, uh, it's just like I say, it's same old, same old. So for races that go back there every single year, it is hard to kind of um, make yourself excited to ride a track that you've ridden so much before. But yeah. saying that, that also brings some kind of excitement and you know it's it, I think it depends how you feel <laughs> or what mood you're in when you get there because there are times that I absolutely love riding that track and there are times that I've just been at the top like oh my god I, I just I really can't be asked for this today <laughs> so yeah. but I think the reason it makes it so special is because it is the same venue and it is the same track and everyone does go back and it's you know a bigger crowd every year and and um yeah it's got a lot of history like I said so do you remember the first time you raced there? Yeah, um, 2012 when I was a first year junior, I would have been 16 at the time. And um, 
I just it was our sec it was a second round of the World Cup series I think and I had a huge crash in Val de Sol the weekend before so um, I cracked a couple of ribs so um, it was a very bad memory of racing Fort William there. Yeah. <laughs> but as a junior you just you know you really want to prove a point and because I crashed the weekend before <clears throat> I really really wanted to prove a point but pretty sure I qualified 20th <laughs> just made it in. Just did enough. <laughs> yeah I imagine that was a painful experience <coughs> it was super painful experience but yeah it wasn't uh, the most enjoyable it took me a while to form a good relationship there <laughs> very good so um you took the win back in 2018 I was actually there myself it was the first time I'd first and only time I've been up to watch <coughs> in person it was I was pretty stoked to see you win that day um but I I remember that you qualified third that weekend. And I think, I don't know, was it nine or ten seconds off the <coughs> pace of Rachel's qualification run? Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm really interested to to learn how you reacted to that. And um, I just want to hear your, your thoughts about what, how, yeah, how did you process that? And how did you think about where you were going to claw back time on race day? Um it's a reoccurring theme with me that I'm quite far back in qualies um I don't mean to a lot of people think it's a mind game or that I do it on purpose but I genuinely try quite hard um it's just I can't I have a switch for race runs and I'm very I I won't give it my all until I really really need to until there's a lot of pressure on me and everything kind of falls into place until it's time until it's time to go um it's very hard for me to to you know risk everything because you do when you're in a race run there's a lot of risk involved and for me it's just kind of risk versus reward and I think always qualies for me wasn't a very big reward until I found out that I lost out on (laughs) on the overall because of my qualies but you know it's something you learn along the way and and I guess I'm I just I'm I'm acceptant of that I know that that's how I deal with things and that's fine but Fort William was very hard for me to deal with that year in particular because um, I think Pom Pom had run won the first round and it wasn't too long after and I just felt like 10 seconds is a lot of time and sometimes I can tell myself oh but you know if you make up a second in every section you know that's more than 10 seconds it's quite easy to see it that way if you think oh but I wasn't switched on for that run so you know that you lose a lot of time especially somewhere like Fort William if you drag your brakes a little bit like even if you drag them the whole way down the track without realizing you know you could be 20 30 seconds back and you would manage to make that back it's just accepting that but I was very overwhelmed and especially because it was Rachel and we have a very competitive relationship and I you know like I said before I like to prove a point and I just felt like that fueled her point even more you know it's just it's very it's a very there's a big rivalry there and I got very upset and um yeah I just had to go on a ride I cried a lot and I know that sounds silly but um, I'm a very I'm a very emotional person and I get I'm very involved with what I do and I I just feel a lot so I went on a ride and usually someone would come with me and I just talk it out I say how I feel I say what went down and we try and just you know we break it all down and we try and work from there so we did that's I've done it so many times now where I've you know really 
screwed up my qualities and there's work to do but that's when I work best is when there's a bad situation and I need to turn it into a good one so because at that point you're focused you only focus on that race run like there's no other you I don't know that you've done so badly that you have to focus so well and I think that's why when I have a bad quality I usually come back and win I I think you clawed back uh, quite a lot of time there in your race run that weekend yeah obviously the um the you know the girls crashed and which for me was even more irritating because I knew that I'd done a good run and you know luckily they crashed a bit further down and I was leading until they crashed so I was like whoo because if, okay. if I was like, yeah that's a big relief if I was three or four seconds back then I know that they probably would have been six seven eight seconds ahead of me um but the fact that I led until where they crashed was you know a slight relief but I was still annoyed I was yeah. still just like oh I just wish they would have stayed on but you know it's, it's the way it works and that's downhill racing for you the game you have to stay on it eh? is there anywhere in particular on the track just for UK listeners who will know the track pretty well is there anywhere on the track you were like right I need I know I need to take that line there oh, I know I need to stop drag and break there. Is there anywhere, you know, you thought, right, I know where I can, I know exactly where I can take back time? Um, I think the reason why Fort William is so challenging is because that's that it's that everywhere. It's um, the, the first corners set you up for the whole track and the first entry into the rock garden. So, you know, you kind of... Um, Fort William especially I like to do it in sections so there's obviously the top section with all the corners and I know it and you know this is a great way to be because I'm not usually like this I know that I will win like there's just no I always there's no way that in that top section I'm not going to be fastest and that doesn't happen very often and you know that's such a good place to be in because it will then set me up for the whole track and you know, it's flat corners, there's nothing to it. And I think that's why I'm quite good at it because, you know, just I'm quite good at cornering and that's literally all it's down to. And I think that if I see in qualities or in, in even time runs, if I'm not fastest there and I've put my fast, well, it just, I don't know, it's hard to explain without sounding like a complete dickhead. I'm not, you're going to have to say No, that. no. <laughs> but it, it's, it's weird because obviously, you know, we... With downhill races, there's going to be sections where we feel super confident on, and that's a section in particular that I do, and it's just something that I thrive off. And as long as I get that section okay, like as long as I win that first section, I know that the rest of the section will fall in, like the rest of the track will fall into place because that's that's setting up your whole speed. So then, yeah, on, I don't know on the um, the boardwalks when you obviously on the little bridges and yeah. a tuck. And I get that section out of the way and I just think, right, you've just got to be smooth. That's all, that's all I think is like just smooth, just no harsh breaking, like no, I don't know, no silly mistakes. But obviously you can't help that. But usually it's the harsh breaking that gives you, you know, too fast in, heavy break, slow out. You don't want that. You want, you want feather, feather the brakes, you know, smooth round and then you're usually fast out so it's it's a tough one it's it's such a tough track to dial in properly yeah I I struggle a lot but the top section usually sets me up and then I don't know I guess it's my way of not thinking of the rest of the track yeah yeah (laughs) just kind of 
Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm just going to change gear again because um, I'd like to chat to you about your new team. After being on transition for so many years, you and Chaos signed with Canyon in early January, is that right? Um, yeah, well, for, yeah. we signed for yeah, 2020 and 2021. Great. So tell us, how did that relationship come about? Um, obviously, when you race the World Cup circuit, you get to know everyone. And um, Canyon actually came to me uh, at the same time Transition did, um, which was, what, five years ago now. And um, at the time, they hadn't developed a downhill bike. Well, they had, but it was a prototype and, you know, it wasn't really there yet. And I was still trying to get there myself. I hadn't won any World Cups yet. And it felt like a big weight on my shoulders to kind of take in a, a brand new bike that kind of hadn't been built yet. And, you know, the brand itself was a big road ride, road bike brand and enduro brand, but in downhill, it wasn't very cemented yet. So, um, and, you know, I just, at the time, yeah, I loved the transition bike and that seemed like a good move. You know, we're a very family-based um, team and at the time it just felt like the right choice which I believe it 100% was I think Canyon wasn't ready and we weren't ready so okay um yeah we had a great relationship with Transition had some great years we developed bikes together you know we're family I love the guys there um I could never thank them enough for what they've done and, and hopefully vice versa you know we, we we grew a lot together and yeah I don't think either of us will forget that and coming obviously coming to the end of our four years um, and we developed the bike with them but transition are you know they're not in it for the racing you know they're in it to support you and you know give a lot of love and you know they they're like I said they're family and there's only so far that you can take that in a in a race perspective so I guess it was just time for change and you know they're it's it's a shallow world but you know you need money to get around the world to take your riders we needed to pay our mechanics because you know we're a very small team and and the mechanics and Jenny our masseuse and my dad you know work, we're working for free very yeah. much so it's um you know you want to reward you know I get obviously I get bonuses uh spread that with my mechanics but it's just it was it was just very it got to a point where it was very hard to kind of feel like we were giving our staff the right amount of um you know just respect i guess and yeah because they, they couldn't they couldn't keep going well we couldn't keep going that way so yeah it, it felt like the right time you know i was i had a few wins under my belt it was time for change and and time for more growth yeah it's crazy to think that you being at the pointy end of the sport that you you still you know were struggling to pay the team yeah. staff as much as as much as they deserve kind of thing so well, it's down yeah. now isn't it <laughs> but yeah. um no it's it's good we were in a good very good position you know my my dad was so excited because he he's always dreamt of a team lorry and you know we've had our family camper for a long, long time, and that was a massive step when I first started racing in junior because we were out the back of a van for years and years. So um, I remember the camper being this insane luxury, which it still is. But you know it's sad because obviously the higher you go, the more you need. And um, 
Yeah, he, he spent the whole winter, day and night, on this lorry. And obviously, all the races got cancelled. But we're hoping that we can bring it out um, in, you know, in the in the season and, and hopefully show everyone what, what he's been doing and, and the new and improved team. Yeah, that's sweet. Cool. We look forward to seeing that. So I guess a major change for you will be the step up to 29-inch wheels on the sender. Um, so how does it actually compare to the transition TR11? Um, well, I I haven't been on 29 wheels, so on the I know sender? there's been, yeah, I know oh, there's right, a lot okay. of a lot of people that have um, rumoured that. I know that Troy was trying 29 wheels last year on in Leger or something, um, but yeah, I the sender itself. Obviously, there's a lot of rumours going around about whether there'd be a new one, this, that and the other. People have pictured me on a different bike, but I, I can't really say much until, you know, the, the proper news comes out. So at least you, you guys know that there's something coming, which is super exciting. <laughs> but yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone double 29er. That's all I oh, can say. Okay. <laughs> it's not for me. I'm... I'm I'm yeah. too. I feel like girls in general are maybe a bit too short. Unless you're really tall or got long legs, I think it would work quite well. But saying that, Valley Hall, she runs 29ers, and um, you know she's she's a bit smaller than me, and it works really well for her. So personal preference as well, I guess, comes into play. But yeah, I wouldn't run two 29er wheels just because it's, it's it feels too big for me. Okay, uh, that's a nice insight. <laughs> Thanks very much for that. <laughs> Uh, cool. So, um, have you been involved in any R and D for Canyon? Is it is that part of your job? Is it something you're required to do, like testing prototypes and so on? <clears throat> I guess because we've only just come in. Obviously, we have tested. We're gonna test all the bikes, and we're gonna have opinions, and we're gonna have what we think would work better. But luckily, there's so many components, and you know, we work closely with the other brands as well to kind of make it all gel and work together because we have separate sponsors to the Canyon factory team who've got their personal sponsors as well so you know but it that's also such a positive because you know we talk about it a lot we exchange our thoughts how does that work with that suspension how does ours work and there's just you know, it's all it's been um super enlightening and and just so, there's so much knowledge everywhere that it, it's almost quite overwhelming but yeah it's um it, it's you know everyone's there to help which is great it seems like a massive brand I think from the outside and a lot of people you know are, are hardcore downhill fans and they didn't really understand the move but they are like a little family and I've gone to see uh, Burrell a lot Fabian Burrell in France before we tested a lot and he's hands-on you know one of the the best well downhill mountain bikers there ever was so his knowledge to me is very um useful yeah <laughs> he's, of uh, he's already in the in a short amount of time he's taught me a lot and you know I'm super grateful for that and I was obviously gutted that I couldn't show case that straight away but I'm sure yeah. in future we can and he's a very hard working man and yeah like I say very knowledgeable but you know even with chaos who's who's more of a you know free racer as people like to label him but um he's yeah he's loving it and it seems serious from the outside but everyone's in it for for the love of it yeah oh, that's so good to hear so I want to be respectful of your time I've got one more question for you um so the UCI have managed to squeeze in I think 
is it five World Cup rounds into September and October? I think it was seven, wasn't it? And then they just cancelled Val de Sol. Well, it was five venues and seven races. So I don't think anyone's sure. Yeah, anyone's very, I think everyone's confused on, you know, two races in one weekend. And I think everyone's a bit, I don't know, quick to judge on how we're going to deal with that. There's a lot of load, but obviously we have no idea. And I guess we won't know until we're there, but... Apparently, yeah, seven races, five rounds, but they've just cancelled Val de Sol, so okay. I don't know. <laughs> I am like, finding it very trying hard to predict to keep the up. future, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So. So it might be a bit early to ask this, but um, are you on track to return to racing if those events go ahead as planned? Um, yeah, I, w- yeah. I would be back in time. Yeah, for sure. I was Brilliant. planning. What are we in June? I was planning on riding, you know, downhill next month. So hopefully, okay. hopefully. But it's still it's a it's it's been a hell of an injury. It's a lot worse, you know, than I thought it was. The recovery has been a lot longer. It's obviously still a minor injury compared to a lot, but all the ligaments, tendons, you know, I did a really good job of just mashing it all up. So it's been super hard and it's still painful today. So it's just like it's just gonna take a long time until it feels right, I guess. Yeah. But I reckon by September I'll, I'll be good to race. Maybe not pain-free, but good to race. <laughs> I guess it's good that you don't feel like you have to rush back to racing. Yeah, exactly. You've not got that pressure. That's no, it's, it's been good. But in a way, it's been hard because that focus has been taken away. So I guess, yeah, I can focus on getting better. But it, because there's no time frame, it's quite hard to judge you know how far along I am how far it's going to take it's just been very up in the air and kind of everyone's just seen as we go along and for me to not have a a routine and a structured um I don't know a structured plan I guess has been quite difficult but you know I wouldn't learn if this wasn't happening so (laughs) yeah just gotta learn to relax a little bit more (laughs) yeah oh good good well um thank you very very much for your time um, no worries. It's been, uh, it's been really cool. Thanks from me and thanks from everyone at Bike Rumor. Um, best of luck to you with your continued rehab. Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> we look forward to seeing you back on the racetrack. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, thanks a ton for tuning in. If you like this, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a single interview. We've got more great stories coming up from pro athletes and the people behind the components, the bikes, the tech that we ride every day. If you have an idea for somebody you'd like us to interview, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast. There's a form there that you can fill in and let us know who you want us to interview. There's also a list of every episode we've done so you can find more that you like. In the meantime, hit us up on social if you got any questions or comments. Let us know what you think of these episodes. We really appreciate all the feedback. We're at Bike Rumor on all the major social platforms. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.